Hello, everybody. Adam Parks here with another episode of Receivables Roundtable. Today, I'm here with my longtime friend, Lynn Reynolds, who is the Chief Sales Officer with CBE Companies, here to talk to me today about building good teams. How are you doing today, Lynn? Awesome. How are you, Adam? I can't complain. I know I got to see you not that long ago at the DCS conference, but for anyone who has not been as lucky as me to get to know you through the years in person, could you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got to the seat that you're in today? Yeah, it's been an interesting road, and I and I'm having the puppy bark. Come on, lay down. But um, I guess you're an interesting character, Adam. Um, no, I started a long time ago by a, a actual student that I was teaching a college course in, and she came up to me and said, "You'd be really good for this position that we have next door." And, uh, asked her for a little bit more information. She's like, it's a debt collection company. I was like, mm. but uh, went and interviewed and uh, really liked what they had to offer. And that started my career in the early 90s, went in as a bid writer at Pioneer Credit Recovery out in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> um, but then uh, Sally Mae came in and bought Pioneer and General Revenue, and I got moved over to GRC, spent several more years there. And as we continued to grow, I got offered a position with Account Control Technology and spent uh, roughly 15 years with that company, mm -hmm. uh, growing obviously in uh, education. And then we got into consumer and we got into state government and got into other um, verticals. And uh, as times changed and um, companies got acquired, I moved over and did a little bit of a <clears throat> AI uh, NUL and learned all about, mm. you know, AI at its earliest uh, infancy. And then uh, I got a call from Alex Reed, who is our chief operating officer to uh, have some consideration to come take the sales role at CBE. And okay. after some discussions, I ended up moving over to CBE companies and I've been here roughly almost 20 months. Wow. Now CBE is a large organization with a lot of different facets. Can you tell everyone a little bit about what it is that you do there? Yeah. As the chief sales officer, I am the head for sales and marketing of CBE companies. And we have a couple different subsidiaries under our umbrella uh, we are 90 years old this year, uh, predominantly in the ARM industry. However, in the last 10 years, we've also played in the BPO and look to grow more in that BPO. So we are about 1,200 FTE strong with uh, offices here in the States, uh, predominantly Iowa, Tennessee, and Texas, and a large consortium of agents in the Philippines. Interesting. So, uh, I mean, BPO has definitely become a very popular topic for organizations as they have, uh, as the collections industry has continued to change over the last five to 10 years or so. So it's been interesting to kind of see that change, but with those roles, right, building collections teams and building BPO teams, right, common thread here is building good teams. And I was lucky enough to see your presentation at DCS, um, where you were talking with Aristotle Sangling about some of the different things that you guys are doing, um, that, that he's doing and that you're doing to build your teams internally, um, which I thought was a very interesting conversation. So let me start by kind of with a, a high level broad question saying, what do you think the big challenges are right now to building a good team in the receivable space? 
Uh, one is finding people, uh, especially <laughs> after COVID. Uh, we basically had to wipe the process clean and kind of start all over. It uh, has definitely rocked our world. And even in my world, I'm sales. They're predominantly working remote. They're out on the road. Um, but even marketing, I've got a, a hybrid, some in office, some some at home. But just finding the right people and then their their philosophy about their work attitude and commitment. Um, and then mm -hmm. I feel for our folks in the uh, collection side, because just getting people to come in office or mm -hmm. even if they're eligible to work from home, they have a lot more demands and their commitment isn't as strong anymore. So mm -hmm. it's made hiring even harder than it was pre-COVID. So we're really having to pivot and adapt and kind of try new things and see what's working and see what's not working. Um, it's been an interesting road post COVID and trying to find staff and then getting folks back into the office. There's, there's some that are anxious because they miss that daily commodity. And mm -hmm. then there's some that, nope, I'm going to stay and work right from my home. So we've had to, uh, we've had to kind of, uh, uh, rethink the process of how mm -hmm. we hire and how we, you know, retain and how we're going to maintain that change post COVID. So. so that's interesting. One of the things that I've kind of noticed, and I operate on a much smaller scale than CBE companies in terms of hiring, but one of the things that I've seen is that the cost of recruiting seems to be going up exponentially. Indeed changed their methodology, right? Like you used to be able to go in there and skim resumes, or you were looking at a uh, <clears throat> like a per click. You were paying for like advertising. Now you're paying per resume regardless of its quality. Have you seen other areas where that cost has continued to rise from a recruiting standpoint? Yeah, it really has. Um, even recruiting because the cost now there's, um, you know, they're trying to do entry fees to have a table. Um, so you've got to, you know, in addition, we used to be able to go and just set up and do a, a table and bring our, you know, little stand and our swag. And now you've got to have a pay an entry fee. And mm -hmm. that's something new. Um, but also just the cost of doing ads. And then uh, trying to promote ourselves, uh, all those costs have uh, escalated. And then two, just even for um, some of our basic positions, what we used to pay at our high level, we're now having to raise everybody up to that level because Starbucks, Bucky's, um, you know, even your your local um, fast food is seventeen to twenty one dollars an hour to flip mm. burgers. And uh, collections is an interesting because you got to think. Fast on your feet. You got to be kind, even when the caller on the other end of the phone may not be so um, nice. So it's mm -hmm. really having to find that right individual to fill those seats. And that, that, I mean, the recruiting piece has become a, a massive challenge, but then I find myself going through the process of screening these people. And I feel like I'm almost, or I've seen a lot of organizations start to uh, pull back on some of their requirements in order to get all the money they just spent on recruiting to hopefully get them out to the floor. How has that balance between recruiting and screening worked for you? It's been a, a constant discussion here at CBE because we really want the right people. We're very mm. much Midwestern core values. 
Uh, we want to do right not only by the, the caller or the consumer that we're trying to reach, but also for us as colleagues and, and you know, uh, our, our associates, employees that we work with, because we truly, really try to keep it like a family mm-hmm. because you're, you're at the office or you're working with this team as much as you get to spend quality time at home, right? Especially mm-hmm. for me, because I'm on the road a lot. So I enjoy being with my CVEers, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I've got to come home and, you know, play with the family. So we try to really <laughs> look for those folks that have the same value sets. And sometimes you can do more with less when we find the right people. But uh, otherwise, it's really just keeping an open mind to see Hopefully those people will also find us versus us trying to hunt mm. for them. So, and yeah. So what kind of tricks are you using to, or what kind of methodologies do you look at as you're kind of going through that screening process? What are some of the maybe tools or, or ideals that you're using to kind of filter out those that you don't think will be a good culture fit? Uh, we really try to promote um, referrals because uh that tends to be our best avenue. So if there's somebody that's already at CB, they have an understanding of what the business is and how we like to operate and what we're doing and what our cause is. And I'm very much the same with my team for the fact that you've got to not only represent yourself up there, but you're also representing the company. So we want to make sure everything is aligned. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm usually very slow to hire for the fact that I want the right person with the right mindset, with the right uh, ambition, um, but quick to fire for the fact that uh, if it's not a good fit, it's not going to be a long term. Um, But we try to make sure uh, that we do multiple interviews, getting the right people in the right seats. And then um, my philosophy, and I did this at DCS with Aristotle, is I'd rather empower and inspire. So mm-hmm. the biggest thing for me is traditionally once we get to, I've given you an offer, I would like to come on board. Obviously you've got some skill set. You know what you're doing. I just provide the guide rails to you go out and do the business um, because you know this, I'm going to operate differently than Adam Parks is going to operate differently, but you might do it better than I do it just in your way. So as long as we're all adhering to the same rules, I don't really nitpick on how it's got to get done because there's, you know, many ways to skin a cat. And sometimes your process might be more uh, suitable than my process. But as long as we get to the same outcome, it's success. Mm. So I often tell my staff when you kind of hit a roadblock, let's talk, let's see how we can overcome those roadblocks um, and then get back out there and go do your job. I tend not to micromanage, but help reinforce them with articles. And we do do like a weekly check-in as a team, Mm -hmm. just because my team uh, for the most part are all remote. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to get all of us together and have that bond that uh, really helps the team, I think, uh, unify and be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also, What's happening in Colorado might be vastly different than those that are happening in Florida. So kind of getting an opportunity to share stories and see what what is working for one sales rep that might work for another sales rep. So kind of uh, sharing those opportunities too. And I know the collectors do the same thing. Walk in mm-hmm. the uh, cafeteria the other day, 
or the cafe, depending upon what you want to call it. And they're all sharing stories and, well, did you try this? Well, I heard this and this worked for me. And, you know, I love hearing those moments because oh yeah, it's, it's the peer groups that help one another versus, you know, having to read an article or, you know, I love our trainers, but sometimes it's that being in the moment is the best course of training. Well, there's no way to learn like doing right. And it's actually getting out there and doing it and then having, um, I mean, it's a testament to the teams that you've built. If those people are able to get together and have those conversations, whether it be in a cafe or another uh, setting, I try to do the same thing with our team, with each of our teams, right? So departmentally, each team is getting together roughly twice a week. And then we have a leadership call after. So each team meets and then the leadership team meets to discuss, right? Current statuses of all the different things that are moving around the organization, uh, which, you know, is challenging in a lot of different ways because you're building up this, uh, you're building up that camaraderie and there's a lot of positive to that. But when you've got everybody remote, right? Like, and that's, I think the world that we're living in these days is a lot of online meetings and a lot of remote connection and finding those ways, right? I, I was never a big fan of the virtual conferences. I was never a big fan of the virtual meet and greets and, you know, we're all going to have a drink at five o'clock, um, you know, via Zoom. I mean, that stuff early into COVID I thought was effective, but it's never easy to build that camaraderie. Besides doing that, that kind of weekly check-in, do you have any other tips or tricks for managing a remote workforce? I'm asking for a friend. Yes. Um, Two, just a quick call or check-in. Sometimes I'll text saying, hey, how is your weekend? Just having a little bit of that personal touch can go a long Mm -hmm. way. Or even the other day, we had a situation where we we all were on Zoom, but you could tell that little distance, not as friendly as usual, but calling Mm -hmm. afterwards and just saying, hey, Adam, are is everything all right? How, how is things going? And we all have our bad days. So I think just being attuned and kind of watching and listening, because sometimes it, they'll verbalize it, but other times they don't, but their facial expressions might give it away. So just kind of doing check-ins, be it text message, be it a phone call, or just being an email, just those little moments sometimes can make a big impact. Um, and I'm always one where, um, like we lost an RFP. They were working on it really hard. They thought they had it. And unfortunately we didn't get it, but Mm. I always take a moment to say, okay, what did we learn from it? Because, you know, sometimes those little uh, failures or disappointments actually can help us win something for the next thing. So, you know, I'm a big uh, advocate for taking those lemons and making lemonade because mm-hmm. um, usually there's more than one path to success. And sometimes you got to take two steps back to take 10 steps forward. So really just trying to keep them positive and knowing that, okay, yeah, you might have a few off steps, but get back in line and here we go. So. I like that. I mean, it's look, it's never easy to manage these remote workforces and to keep the people engaged. Um, Cause then you're going through this recruiting process. I mean, I've had staff that have worked for me for years before we ever met in person. Right. And so we started doing little fly-ins where we bring together our leadership team in different cities, um, things like that, just to create that camaraderie. Right. Because even once you've got a good team in place, you still have to manage and maintain that team. And I know our, our focal point of the discussion today was on kind of building a good team, but never let your good team fall apart. <laughs> be my next piece of advice. You go through all of this 
recruiting and screening and training and onboarding and you get somebody up and running and then they kind of learn your organization's way of doing things. The attrition cost, I think, has become significantly higher than it has been in previous years because of the level of difficulty in bringing in new people. Are you finding you know, a similar experience? Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's uh, it's been difficult for the fact that, uh, you know, traveling has definitely changed. Um, some folks are not as keen to want to travel as much, but others are understanding that they're not getting responses via email or a phone call sitting behind the desk. So it's like mm-hmm. the game plan this past year and even going into next year is all right, we got to get face to face. You got to shake those hands. You got to mm-hmm. laugh. You got to share those, uh, you know, uh, gestures and they've got to be done in person. So mm-hmm. really working on building the relationships with our, uh, our clients and then hopefully our prospects and then our strategic partnerships, you know, it's meeting one-on-one and if it's breaking bread over lunch or what have you, it's, it's developing those relationships because yeah, it, uh, it's been difficult because if they don't know you, they don't want to pick up the phone or they don't want to respond via email. But it's so funny because once they do see you and they're like, you're Adam Parks, I do want to talk to you. (laughs) Then the whole mood just changes instantaneously. So really we're trying to get back out there, create those relationships and be face to face once again. I'm a huge fan. I mean, there is literally nothing that will ever replace the in-person interactions at conferences, the networking, the hand-holding, the handshaking, the baby kissing, whatever you want to call it. Um, All of that is important. It was, I mean, it was very difficult for me to learn how to transfer those skill sets during COVID, right? And how am I, and ultimately I created this podcast to help me uh, transition, right? And to continue to be out in front of everybody when I couldn't physically be there out in front of everyone. So it's been, uh, it's been pretty interesting for me to kind of get 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 this whole piece rolling and to kind of find that new way. Well, let me ask you one more question here, Lynn, while I have you. And that's, you know, as we're going into 2024, what piece of advice would you give everybody about team building, knowing everything you know, and, and kind of looking into your crystal ball about what we're expecting next year? We're looking at more accounts and volume, less collectability, but that's going to change the dynamic of the economy on the whole. Any tips or tricks for building a good team going into 2024? Yeah, I think the best advice uh, I was given a long time ago is I learned that, uh, you know, um, this industry is very fickle. Uh, mm-hmm. When it's great, the times are good. When times are bad, unfortunately, it's still great because there's more accounts, there's more activity. And it's just constantly reviewing and looking at the processes differently uh, for the fact that there's always ways to overcome any impediment or obstacle or issue. And I kind of always say that to my team. Well, if you can't do it this way, have we thought about doing it this way? If you can't mm-hmm. do it this way, have you thought about that way? And it's, you know, you get to a bridge and the bridge is, you know, destroyed. Well, look, you could jump over it. You could swim through it. You could go around it. Have we examined all the avenues? And that's what I'm challenging my team and anybody that joins the team this year, just to think differently look at things in a new perspective and see how we can get to that end that we all need to get to. So 
that's going to be kind of my philosophy as we navigate into 2024 here shortly. I think that's great insight for our entire audience. I think you provide some some really interesting insights into what's to come. Yeah. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that with the rise in the volume of accounts, we're going to be more reliant on technology and more systematic in the processes that we're following. I think we'll continue to see a lot of regulatory uh, items come to the surface in 2024, which is going to, like every year, going to require us to move nimbly, quickly, uh, and continue to stay out in front of things. But Lynn, I really appreciate all your insights today. This has been an absolutely fantastic discussion. Thank you so much for coming on. No, I appreciate the offer and thank you and happy Thanksgiving. You as well. For those of you that are watching, if you have any additional questions you'd like to ask Lynn or myself, you can leave those in the comments on LinkedIn and YouTube. If you have additional topics you'd like to see us discuss, you can leave those in the comments below as well. And hopefully I can convince Lynn to come back at least one more time to help me continue to create great content for a great industry. But until next time, Lynn, thank you so much for all of your insights today. We really appreciate your time. No, you're more than welcome, Adam. Thank you. And thank you everybody for watching today. We'll talk to you again soon.